and then they're there uh, praying and just asking God what the next steps are, and when is the gift coming, and all of a sudden, there's just a violent wind that, that shakes the house. Um, and interesting, too, I was kind of thinking about it later, you know, they're in the upper room praying, they're in this house, they're in the upper room together, and they were praying, and it says that wind came in the whole house, and it shook the whole house, so I'm thinking, like, what happened in the rest of the house, like, who else was down there, and they must have been like, what is going on, and running upstairs. I don't know, but the violent wind comes, and then tongues like fire come on these guys, and then they're talking in different languages, but that people that uh, were there could understand, and all they were saying was just the signs and wonders, you know, of God. So it just comes in dramatic fashion as gift comes. And so naturally, the next thing is, well, what is this all about? And so Peter stands up, and he kind of gives an explanation of where it's coming from, and kind of the cool thing that we talked about last time uh, was that Peter had the ability to see God from the Word and explain the events that were happening right now. And um, I know I, I was sharing last time that that is that's convicting for me. That's something that I want. I want to be able to recognize God that's here and now through His Word and not just like make things up, but actually have it pertain to what's going on and the events that are here and now and tie that right to His Word and right with God and be right on point. Like, man, Peter came a long way. He came a long way. So he stands up, gives this explanation from the Word, and talks about it, and uh, refers back to the Old Testament of the books, and kind of makes, has, has it all make sense. And while he's doing that, he indicts them at the same time and says, hey, listen, here's why it showed up, here's what happened. And he also indicts them at the same time, saying, this is also the same one that you crucified. Um, but this was also part of the plan, but like, we've got to make this thing right. And so when he says this, they're kind of cut to the core. You know, it, it resonates with them. And so their reaction is, you know, well, what do we do? Obviously, we're guilty, and we hear what you're saying, and it's making sense. So their reaction to this thing is, what can we do? It says they're cut to the heart. And so Peter tells them, you've got to repent and be baptized. Just change your life. Acknowledge that you did wrong. Dedicate it, you know, to the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit that's here right now, come into your life. Um, and then from there... The apostles and disciples get together and they kind of form the model of the early church um, as far as teaching, fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. And we talked a little bit about that last time. Um, but kind of the cool thing to see is you can just see the unity, uh, the relationships and the sacrifice involved with the early church. And uh, it's very, very exciting. And I think those are all important key elements that we should certainly be trying to carry out now and today. And so us at Calvary Chapel, we're certainly trying to do that, trying to... Uh, get the unity going among the people that are involved that are helping out, um, trying to build relationships, and that's why it's another great opportunity for the potluck just to let people know and try and build some relationships there. Certainly incorporate prayer into everything that we do. Um, and so we believe those are the core elements, and so we kind of end with that. Uh, and it says kind of the end of chapter 2 that God was just adding to their number daily that we're being saved. And so this morning, so we are in chapter 3. And so I think in that Bible, page 772, I think in the blue Bible, I think that's there, 771 or 772. Um, so you have these dramatic events. The Holy Spirit came. Peter explains everything. People are changing their lives over, and now God's adding to their number. And so let's just put ourselves there for a minute. You know, I think it's always helpful to read and put yourself into the situation because it helps build context. So the question is, you know, what would you do? God has started this serious movement. And so now, what would you do? Like, what's the next step? And so uh, we're going to take a look at that. Um, a couple of things before we get into that. 
this chapter, we're, we're only going to get through, we're not going to get through quite as much as last time. I think we're probably going to get through like 10 verses. Only because I think there's like kind of some sticky things in there where it's just like, I don't know about that. And it, I don't know, it just makes me feel uncomfortable. And so I'm assuming that maybe sometimes it can make other people feel uncomfortable. And it's just kind of hard to get your head around sometimes because there's some, some weird things out there. But some questions that this will answer or at least address or um, have come up are, are a couple of things. Um, so the first question is that this might bring up this passage in, in chapter 3 and verses 1 through 10. It might be, what does God expect from me in this relationship with him? Because um, this is like a two-way street, and it's kind of like a strange relationship, right? The relationships we're used to is another body being there. You get, like, you know, regular feedback, and, like, now you become a Christian, and what happens is you have this relationship uh, with an invisible God where um, he does things and he's apart, but it's like, you have to make room, and it's like he's like it's like this quiet voice sometimes, you know, that happens inside. You have to listen to and, and make time for. Sometimes he's loud, and he grabs your attention, and he's like Saul, and he just pushes you off the horse, and he's like, get your act together. But sometimes uh, the relationship dynamics can be kind of confusing because that's just not the, what we do all of the time. Uh, we're used to interacting with people and looking at them eyeball to eyeball, you know, and having conversations, getting feedback, um, and it's a relationship, and so. There's a couple people involved, right? It's us, it's God, and kind of what's our role in that? Um, what does God expect me else from that? Um, the next one I was thinking about was, when was the last time I felt a strong urging or desire from the Holy Spirit? You know, when was the last time uh, you just felt something deep inside you that um, just maybe just kind of showed up? Out of nowhere, you're not even quite sure where you're going to go with it. But something from within you, you know, when was the last time? Has it ever happened? You know, has it ever happened? We really had just a, a certain desire, a strong urge to do something. But you weren't really quite sure why and where it came from. But just all of a sudden, something came to you. And you just feel like, I got to do this. Like, I have to go there. I have to do this. I have to say this. Something you have to do. Um, has it ever happened? That's a worthwhile question to ask. Because uh, we're going to find out that God, a lot of times, that's the way it works. A lot of times it's way worse. So when was the last time it happened? Um, and has it ever happened? And then just a little follow-up with that, you know, what did I do? So if it has happened, uh, what did you do? What did you do? Um, the next one, are there aspects of my personality that can limit what God may want me to do? And so I was right now with Don, I was thinking about it and, and looking at this passage, um, it's sort of a tough passage, and I think of myself uh, personality-wise sometimes, because sometimes you can limit God. Here's, here's what I was thinking, what I mean. Um, so I am naturally like, just kind of like a, a shy, not like center of the party guy, um, sometimes a little passive, tried to be aggressive when I have to be, but I, I'd rather not have the attention on me. I just, I, I don't really feel comfortable with that, and I just, I don't know, not really part of my makeup. Um, if it were up to me, I'd rather have people just, you know, sort of get along and and have everything be okay. Um, but that can be kind of dangerous because sometimes God wants me will have me to go out on a limb, and certainly that would just mess things up. I'll just throw a wrench. People will feel uncomfortable now. Uh, they might, you know, get mad at me for it. And uh, it's just going to create an uncomfortable situation. And so now it's like that parts of my personality, I can't let that dominate. I mean, it's a part of me, right? It's a part of me, and God made me. Um, but there's some things he's still trying to work out. 
And so it's important for me to realize that. It's important for me to realize that because I just don't want to sit there and say, well, it's just part of me. I just don't do that kind of thing. So I just let that other noisy, you know, loud person, uh, they can deal with that. Um, that's not what God really calls me to do. And so I just kind of brought to my mind as far as, you know, and I'll kind of explain where the thought process is coming from, um, but it's something to think about anyways. But the next one says, uh, and I think about a couple of people at work and I was writing this down. If I'm generous, forgiving towards others, loving towards my family, nice to people at work, what more could God really want? Right, what more could God really want? Because uh, it sounds pretty good. I mean, pretty generous. You're giving away some money, uh, giving away your time, looking to help people, forgiving for the most part towards other people and not really bitter, kind of easy-go-lucky person, uh, loving towards your family, try and show up with them and, and make time for them, uh, nice to the people at work, you know? getting along with them pretty well, what else could God really want? Uh, it sounds pretty good. I'll have to take a look at that. And then uh, the last one, if you have the relationship with God, how can I bring back some fire to that? How can I bring back some fire to that um, if it feels a little stagnant and a little rutted? Uh, what can you do to add to that? Because um, God doesn't want you there forever. That's for sure. Uh, he might sometimes have it quiet for a while, and sometimes people call it, you know, just a season of kind of, you know, where is he? Where um, maybe you might not hear from him, but he's still looking to use you in that time. And so bringing some fire back. So those are just a few things that uh, the study is going to bring up today and sort of address. Um, the title of the slide is Give Him a Reason to Show Up. So let me explain to you where I got that phrase from. Yeah, it's not like uh, totally doctrinally true. But it was an interesting conversation and story, kind of how it came to be. So give him a reason to show up. So last year, I think it was last April, I was having lunch with one of the pastors that supports the church. There's a couple of pastors that support the church. Um, and we're out to lunch. We're talking about things. And basically, I was just telling them kind of all the stuff that we need. It was just a lot of stuff we needed. Um, and it was, it was a good lunch. We got a chance to uh, talk about you know, all the needs, and we kind of refer back to him. He was a church planner from a while ago, and they had, so had obviously a lot of needs in the beginning. And um, I just came away from the conversation just thinking, like, all right, like, I understand there's going to be needs when you come into it, but I also don't want to come in, like, being kind of foolish, or maybe I could have planned a little bit better, and there's some things that maybe I could have tied up. Like, I, I just wanted to, I, I felt like I was maybe being a little bit imbalanced with that. And so, uh, you know, we kind of went back and forth and talked about that a little bit. Um, and so actually one of the topics that came up was, uh, was, was, uh, having a worship pastor. So just like leading worship, you know, um, ideally that's ex exactly what we want to do. And sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll have some people come in and do it. Um, and that's where I want to be headed towards in that direction. And so, you know, I was asking, I was like, you know, maybe we should just have that ready just right from the go. And he's like, well, you know, we can. And he's like, you know, I know you've been praying about it the whole time, and other people have been praying, and we'll see if, you know, the Lord brings them. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, we just shouldn't make the move yet. And uh, by this point in time, I've already had a couple of dates, like, in mind, and I just kind of pushed them back just because I felt like we just weren't really really yet, uh, ready yet. And so he just goes to me and goes, listen, he goes, you can keep pushing them back. He said, at that pace, you're probably never going to start. But he said, uh, you know, as far as, like, uh, the worship pastor goes and the other needs that you're going to have, he said, listen, he's like, you just got to just set that date and just stick to it and go, no matter what happens. And he said, as far as the worship stuff goes, he said, just, uh, there's some things you could do in the meantime. He said, just do that. 
and just give God a reason to show up. I was like, okay, you know, I can, I can definitely do that. I can give God a reason to show up. I can put it right out there and do what I feel like I should be doing, and we'll see if God does show up. I mean, God is always there, and he's always showing up in different ways and different circumstances. You know, but the root of what he's, he was saying was, hey, listen, stick your neck out there a little bit with what you think God wants you to do, and let's see if he pulls through or not. And, uh, and that resonated with me, you know. So I thought about that phrase a lot. And in this um, chapter and in these passages, we're going to see that uh, they did that. And the part that, that usually holds us back is kind of the risk factor, where, like, it wasn't even really at the forefront of their minds. And so um, I like looking at that because I'm a person that likes to kind of, like, stand back and then think about the whole picture and everything that could possibly be going on, uh, when sometimes I just got to be spontaneous about it and just go for it. Um, so I like to kind of watch other people where it's just, they just go for it. They just went for it. Um, all right, so let's take a look. So on page 771 or 772 uh, in the blue book in chapter 3 and Acts there. So let's look at the story and see what's going on. So it says, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. And it says, at three in the afternoon... At three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him uh, walking and jumping praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So let's kind of go back up to the top for a little bit. So it says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. And so by this point, right, we left off in chapter 2 where all these dramatic events were taking place. It was during Pentecost. And kind of the belief is that maybe some time went by. And so all the kind of hoopla that was going on, maybe I settled maybe possibly a little bit. And so, but these guys were still being faithful in what they had, right? They were still, right, in their sense, going to church and being faithful, which, I don't know, kind of spoke at me right away because I was reading that and I was like, man, if I just had all this cool stuff happen as far as the Holy Spirit coming, people getting, uh, changing their lives, um, Peter getting up and, and we just have this group together, obviously God is moving and God is working and stuff is going on. I would be like, you know what, what do I need to really go up to the temple for? Because God is obviously working in my life and working with the people's lives that we're with. So what do we need to go over there for? Uh, but they didn't have kind of that prideful attitude. Um, and so that, that, that at least was something for me. And so they're still being faithful in, in the small things that God has called them to, even at the same time as he's blessing them. So they're going at the time of prayer at about 3 in the afternoon. And then in verse 2, it says, Now a man crippled uh, from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And then I was thinking that when I saw that one, I was like, man, like these people that take him and put him to the gate and have him beg, like didn't they just hear about all the stuff that was just going on like not that long ago about the uh, Peter 
um, and John and the miracle sign and wonders and the things that are happening with God, like why didn't they just bring him to the house over there and let uh, you know introduce him to these guys? So I, I don't know why it didn't happen, but it's just something I was thinking about. And so it says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And so Peter looked right at him, as did John. It says, then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave his attention, right? He's probably just looking down, just had his hand out looking for some money. And so they just address him and they say, hey, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. And the guy probably rolled his eyes probably at that point. And he says, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And so this is like sort of the key piece of this. And so I read that right away, and it says Peter and John were both there. My thought is like, if I'm with Peter and I'm John, I don't know. I'm assuming when I read it that John's on the same page. He's like, yeah, he's looking at him. He's like, yeah, you know, and he says, look at us. And he says, in the name of what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And I'm assuming like John is on the same page. and He's like, yeah, let's see it happen. I don't know. Because if I was with him, I'd be like, are you sure you know what you're doing right now? Because if this thing doesn't work out, we're going to have a little bit of a problem here. And I don't know. I hope you know what you're doing right now. So I wonder like what John was thinking at this point in time. And we'll come back to it uh, in a minute, and I want to talk a little bit more in depth about that. And it says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And so you have this miraculous event that takes place. He just gets up, the man's feet and ankles became strong, and at verse 8, he jumped to his feet, and then he's walking, and then he goes with them into the temple courts, and he's walking and jumping and causing a bunch of chaos, I'm sure, and just loving life and praising God, right? So after he gets healed, he is just praising God in the temples. It says, it says in verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened. And so what I want to do is going to take just a little bit of time, not very much, but I want to go back kind of to the turning point and transition where this thing really developed. It was the point in time where they're about to go in. The guy was there, he wanted some money, and he asked, and then Peter... Uh, and John just really turned the tables right there. Because uh, I think there's some significant things there. Um, so the first part I just want to look at was that this guy that was sitting there, and we don't know his name and even really a whole lot about him, um, he had a request, right? He wanted some money. But it wasn't necessarily a need that he had, right? He, he wanted some money for sure. Uh, but there was a need that was much more important. Uh, what he really needed was Jesus, and he needed a miracle in his life because from then on, at least from what we know, he goes out just praising God. But he had a need of money. It wasn't exactly the best thing that he needed, right? But there was something there. He needed some money, but they knew, Peter uh, and John, that he needed something else, right? He needed something else. It wasn't the actual need. He wanted money, right, but he needed something else. So there's something else going on at work there. And maybe Peter and John knew that right then and there, or maybe they didn't. They were just obedient to the Spirit, and, you know, what happened is what happened. We'll have to find out. Um, so the, here's the interesting part uh, that I want to look at. And if you're taking notes, this would be something to write down. Um, so we go to, uh, go to the middle here. So it says, Peter looked straight at him as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention. And so Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but I have I give you. 
Now, I have really no problem with that part right there, part A. And for some people, that's a huge deal right there. Silver or gold, I don't have what I have, I give you. Sometimes it's so hard just to give just what you have, whether it be patience, uh, whether it be a helping hand, uh, whether you don't get frustrated with the person, um, whatever it is, uh, in a way of trying to show the love of God. Sometimes that part is just extremely tough right then and there. Just the little things. Um, God presents a variety of situations, circumstances where, where people just uh, need to know that you care, right? And so sometimes just listening, um, giving them a card, uh, doing a nice deed, a nice email, uh, helping out a neighbor, uh, any of those types of things, right? And we're trying to show the love of Christ, and hopefully at the end of the day you get a chance to share Jesus with them. Um, and so that part, I understand that part. That one I can kind of wrap my head around a little bit. But, like, there's another part that I'm just, I'm still trying to figure out and trying to learn this thing because um, my experiences with other pastors and other people throughout just the faith are just kind of crazy sometimes. And so I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around the second part here. So he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Like, he just took it a whole nother level here. First he goes, like, I'll, I'll give you what I have. Jesus Christ, I will give you that. You know, I'll show you love. I'll talk to you. I'll give you what I got. And now we're just going to turn this thing up a whole nother notch. I'm going to have you get up actually right now and just walk. Like he just raised the bar so big. And what I was thinking when I saw that uh, was, wow, a couple things could happen right here. What if it works? What if it doesn't work, right? And by working, I mean, obviously he gets up, he walks, and he's fine. Or what if it doesn't work? Like, what happened? Would, and those are always the two things that come into my mind when I see something like that. Um, and so he just raised the bar there. And I always, I don't know about always, but a lot of times, I'm really thinking about what if it doesn't work part. Because I'm like, oh, man, like, they're watching this, and other people are watching this, and they're going to see what happens. Like, we're putting this faith thing on the line, and so I'm not quite sure what the reaction is going to be, and is it really worth it to go through with that if, you know, maybe it doesn't work. So I was thinking about a couple of things. And uh, as I was thinking about this question, what if it works? What if it doesn't work? And so I was listening this week. Uh, this guy, Pastor Wayne, he's another Calvary Chapel pastor uh, out west. And he was talking about um, he met this guy. It was his neighbor. And his neighbor came up to him. Uh, he was doing some yard work. His neighbor saw him. They, they get along really well with their neighbors. So his neighbor comes up to him. Uh, this guy, Pastor Wayne, is just on his way out. He's going to go do a hospital visit or something. So he's on his way out. Neighbor comes up. He's like, well, you know, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You know, just a little bit of small talk, getting a chance to see each other. And so his neighbor goes, he goes, you know, I have just been suffering from these migraine headaches. Like, I just can't get rid of them. They just nonstop, especially within the past week or so. They've just been really strong. It just not quite sure what to do with it. And so Pastor Wayne, you know, he tells the story. He's like, uh, he said by this point in time in his pastoral career, he's just, he has just learned to just kind of just pray then and there with whoever it is. Um, I guess it was something he struggled with. But at this point in time, he just always prayed, and whatever God did, he did. And so Pastor Wayne offers, he goes, well, because, you know, I don't know what to tell you, you know, what's the doctor been saying. You know, so they talk about that stuff for a little bit. So Pastor Wayne goes, well, can I just pray for you, you know, and, and we'll just see what happens. And so uh, Pastor Wayne goes, he goes, honestly, in the back of my head, he's like, I wasn't expecting God really to do anything. 
I didn't really have faith that I was just going to happen. Anything was going to happen right then and there. And uh, I was just hoping I wasn't going to crush this guy's faith by the end of our prayer if nothing happens. And so they pray together, and uh, they close up prayer. And then when they close up prayer, Pastor Wayne goes, he goes, you know, I'm sorry if nothing happens right away. You know, I just, I, I just wanted to pray for you. You know, maybe it'll happen later. Yeah, I don't know what God might do. And then as he was trying to, like, apologize, you know, for praying and God not showing up, right, that's when the guy cuts him off. He goes, oh, hey, no, wait. He goes, uh, my head is just, it's not pounding anymore. And there's kind of like a warm sensation going on. He's like, I don't know what you did, but that was great. And so it's just, uh, that story just made me think of, man, that what if it works? What if it doesn't work? And how much faith do you really have to have involved in that situation? Where in that case, man, he, before he could finish the prayer, he was getting ready to apologize for God not showing up. Uh, and that's absolutely the, the way God works sometimes. Sometimes you have to take that little step, put your neck on the line, give God an opportunity to show up, and let's just see, you know, what happens. Um, but then at the same time, as soon as I think about something like that, I go back to, well, if on the other side and nothing happens. Um, so I was thinking about an example from my own life. And uh, just a, a, a very brief, as far as my background goes, um, I've had... Uh, for whatever reason, just uh, a lot of just like medical issues just through the years. There's a lot of medical stuff. And so one thing early on was just with my stomach. It started as like IBS type stuff, and then it kind of graduated. It uh, got worse, got to be colitis, and it was just a messy situation. And I had to, ended up having, um, you know, my large intestine removed, and it was just not a fun process. So I was sharing that with a friend of mine. Uh, we're good friends. And we're talking about that stuff, and he's like, "Wow, he's, you know, he's asking all these questions, and I'm kind of, you know, telling him about that stuff." So we leave. So I'm at the house, I'm uh, studying or something. I was still in school at the time, and so he calls me up, and uh, he's like, "Hey, Jared, he's like, how's it going?" I'm like, "Okay." You know, he sounds like a little strange. He's like, "Yeah, just do me a favor." I'm like, "Yeah, what's up?" He's like, "Well, just put your hand on your stomach, and uh, I just want to pray for you. I don't know what God's going to do, but I just want to pray for you." And I'm like all right, like, we can do that. That's fine. You know, so I put my hand on my stomach, and he starts praying, and uh, he finishes up. He's like, okay, bro? And I'm like, okay. He's like, I'll talk to you later. I was like, all right. It's just like a really weird situation. So he hangs up the phone, and so then I'm like, all right, what's going to happen? Like, what's going to happen now? And, and I thought it was weird because by, at this point in time, like, I already had um, – the surgery done, so the intestine was kind of removed, and, and things were kind of cleared up, and it was kind of okay. So I'm not, and, and, I, and I told him that, and he knew that, so I'm not really quite sure why he did it, but I don't know what God's doing. And so, you know, I can confidently tell you right now that I didn't feel or notice anything happen at all. Like, nothing at all. Like, that's the other end. Like, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't work. I don't know. Was something supposed to happen? I have no idea. All I know is that Nick felt like you know, that, that was his name. He felt like he should, uh, he should call me up and just pray with me. And I have no idea why. And who knows, maybe, you know, maybe I'll find out someday. Maybe I won't. But I just have no idea. I know, I'm thankful, very thankful that he was obedient. And I have no idea where that carries. Um, and so those situations of what if it works, what if it doesn't work, I don't know. I get caught up in that, and I don't think that's the crutch of the thing. The crutch of the thing is if you feel it, you just do it think that's God, like you just do it. And the hard part is, is trying to identify when that is God. 
And I'll tell you what, it makes it even really harder uh, when you're not constantly in contact with God and having that relationship. Because now you're really stuck. Now you really talk to God like kind of on and off. And that relationship is sort of, you know, what's going on there? And then that, now maybe you have these things to do something, and you can't even really identify where they're coming from. And so now you're just kind of stuck in this world one. And so that's when it becomes difficult. So the works, doesn't work thing, really doesn't matter. Are you going to be obedient right now? And hopefully you're in the position right now that you're in to be able to make that decision because you feel confident of your relationship. So as far as how that goes, the key to that was that Peter just gave what he had, right? He spontaneously just gave what he had. He didn't think about the works, doesn't work thing. Peter just gave what he had. He knew what he had, and he just gave it out there. Um, he just trusted God with the, we- with the rest. Pretty bold move. And like I said, that, that period where he's like, uh, you know, uh, Jesus Christ, I don't have silver or gold, I'll give you Jesus Christ. But then he like just goes to the next level. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, get up and walk. Wow. That is a whole nother level. Um, and so the way I think of it is that Peter, at that point in time, he was willing to share what he had, gave what he had, but he was also controlled by the Spirit at that moment in time. His relationship with God had already been established. Uh, he was on the right track, and he was literally in the Spirit. Right, The Spirit was leading him, so there was no questions about it. And he just put it out there. Whatever God does, God does. And so I find myself uh, and other people just struggling with the first part, just trying to hopefully get ourselves like in the position where we can be used and we can identify what thing is coming from God and what thing is not coming from God. And then usually that next level of the Christian life where you see God really show up is the next sentence. Then you say, Hope those migraines are gone with confidence, right? Um, then you say, you know, your arm is healed. Um, then God uses you in your family uh, where you can help somebody with depression, loneliness. And God just takes you to the next level to do different things. Uh, but it's hard to get there if you're kind of still stuck with the first part, with the first part of the sentence. And so the key being there, just given what you have. Just give them what you have. Um, so what we're going to do is I have a short little uh, video clip that I want to show. And then I'll just, we'll, we'll come uh, back real quick and just kind of talk about that uh, and a couple other things. So. Who are these people? I mean, where do they come from? What are their lives like? What, what do they do for a living? What do they enjoy? What does their living room look like? What's their story? What scars do they carry? What did they dream about being when they were little? Are they doing it? Are they happy? Scared? Do they have people who love them? Or are they all alone? There's just so many. So many people. Maybe the real question is, do I love them? Do I even care about them? Or are they just an inconvenience to me at the grocery store? Or more congestion on the highways? Do I love them or merely tolerate them? Or worse, 
do I see their value? Do I believe that they're as important and as significant as I am? Or are they just the background of my life? The ones you don't even bother to see because you're so caught up in your own stuff. I say I love them. I say that because I'm supposed to, right? It sounds right. But honestly, do I? And yet, Jesus loves them. All of them. Every one of them, individually and completely. He loves them as much as he loves me. He knows every hair on their heads, too. He knows their every hope and every fear, every hurt and every joy. And he died for them as much as he died for me. He even loves the ones that will never love him back. He loves them without ulterior motive or agenda. He just loves them. Maybe it's time for me to look closer, to see them again for the first time, to stop seeing crowds and stop seeing neighborhoods and start seeing people, individuals. Who are these people? All right, so the point of that was that we are talking about before, as far as uh, Peter goes, he gave what he had, right? And I think we can kind of tell, like, kind of the thing where this is going here is that they were sharing something, right? They were sharing Jesus, uh, and they were sharing God. And so, like we talked about already, the difficulties of that as far as sharing can, number one, be ourselves, and right, it could be our personality, uh, it could be our hang-ups, uh, it could be we're uncomfortable, we have fear, it could be a lot of different things. Um, it could be our, you know, lack of, of devotion to Christ on a regular basis. Uh, so, with that being said, one of the other ways that also makes it easier for us to share would be just having the similar kind of heart that God has towards people, right? In that video, kind of the theme was that his idea and perspective changed as far as sharing and giving what he had. It really wasn't like it works, what are, you know, if it works, if it doesn't work thing, you know, if I feel comfortable, maybe well, if I... If I don't, I won't. Um, it was, you know, how does God feel about them? And if I have no clue as to what God's heart is about the people, because to be totally honest with you, I very often fall into the toleration part of people a lot of times in life. I'm just like, yeah, definitely get out of my way because, like, I got stuff to do. In fact, uh, I got to get to church, so really get out of my way. You know, I have these other things that I have to do to get done. So uh, I fall into the toleration part a lot. And God is looking for us to have the same heart towards other people. And so my prayer is just that even Calvary Chapel as a whole here is that we, God develops us with those same eyes and ears and heart towards the other people that are here in Naugatuck, that are here in the valley, and we can see actually how God sees them. And I believe there's no other way for that to happen, no other way for that to happen than for the Holy Spirit to actually give that to us, than the Spirit of God to actually impart that into us. Because he wants to, and he will. And it happens miraculously. And it can't be explained how it does happen, but he does. And so now the issue of giving what you have and sharing what you have in a spirit-led moment, who knows what God is going to do. Right? He's been known to do some things. Right? He's taken five loaves of bread, two fish, twice. 
right? Done that twice. He got him to the Red Sea and parted that thing. Um, who knows what he could do? Doesn't matter who we are. Um, and so just a couple of things. So now we're in a position where, as far as responding, as far as like, what do we do with a message like this? Um, it's sharing and giving what you have and being spirit-led when you do that. Right? I just want to be clear about that. It's spirit-led. It's the Holy Spirit of God. We're reading about the Holy Spirit, how he is changing the dynamics of everything right now. He's changing everything. He came and birthed this church. People are cut to the heart. They want to know why. There's signs and wonders being done. And that same Holy Spirit is here now and today. And so sharing what you have, first thing somebody might ask, and it's a good, honest question, uh, you know, why? Why would I really share this stuff? Um, well, a couple easy answers for that is God wants us to do it, right? Jesus said be a light, right? He didn't say, like, you take a light, you put it under a bushel, right? It was supposed to be the light on the hill, salt of the earth, right? There's a reason for that stuff. Uh, and then with who? With who? Who do you share it with? I have no idea where you are in life, but, geez, if you're in school, other students that are around, uh, your teachers, your professors. Um, as far as that works, you certainly have your coworkers, you have family. There's people who you can share things with about. And God has placed them all around us. And so I, sometimes I, I find it a little irritating when there's just like clumps of Christians together, so it's just like super salty in that one area. And you know what that, I mean, who wants a ton of salt right there, right? He has strategically placed us, placed you, placed me, into areas where he actually wants to use us. We're saying, hey, just go out there. It might be, you might be fearful. It might be uncomfortable. It's probably not going to be something you're easy to. Um, there's not exactly how to do it in every situation, but I'm telling you, get in contact with me. Get that relationship. I will give you my spirit, and I will show you where to go, and I will show you how to share, and I will amaze you. I will amaze you. Um. The next thing about this as far as responding, evangelism versus witnessing, really sharing and giving what you have. Right there, that, that's witnessing. We're, we're going to see in Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 15, that Peter and John and the rest of these people, uh, they're really just witnessing what God has done. Right? When you're a witness in court, you just give your story. That's all you do. And sometimes people want to hear it. Right? This is the important part. Sometimes people want to hear it, and sometimes they don't. Take some sensitivity. If they don't want to hear it and you're trying to push it on them, it's not going anywhere. You're just going to close them down for a little bit while longer, right? And so, again, that's another need of the Holy Spirit to be like, God, is this like a door opening right here? Like, is this a good time maybe to kind of slip something in or to offer something or to put something there? That's what we're looking for. Um, the next thing on there is that this message is, uh, oh, we have the immediate results. Yes, I want to talk about that because the immediate, as we read this, right, the result, ha result happened right away. Like, they just they literally took him. He got up and walked and started running around as soon as he prayed. Sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it definitely does not. And so to not be confused by immediate results is not the answer to this thing. The answer is just being obedient, and whatever they end up, they end up. So my friend that called me, and I had my hand on my stomach, and we're praying together, I don't know. Who, I don't know. What was the main goal of that thing? Did it work? Didn't work? Was that the, I don't know. But he was obedient, and that's what I like. That's what I like, and that's what God likes, and that's what he appreciates. Um, the other thing is that the message is hard for shy, passive, fearful people 
who don't take rejection well. Because very often you feel like you share that message, you share what God has done for you, and you're so tied to it that when they reject that, you think they're just like rejecting you. And like you're done, and then you just close down. And so, but that's not it. Like God is trying to use you as a vessel for his stuff. Right? Use you as a vessel for his stuff. And so you have to pray and constantly be in prayer. Like, God, help me. Like, I don't want to be fearful. I want to be able to step out on a limb when you're asking me to do it. I don't want to be controlled by the approval of other people. So help me with that. Help me with that. And those are prayers, right, uh, that, that you should write down. You should be asking God for because he will supernaturally help you with that. Um, and then the other thing I was thinking about as reading this, what's the reality of the Spirit in my life? Like, honestly, as I read this and I see this happen, and you see the results of Peter sharing, what's the reality of the Spirit in my life? Like, do I have stories of the Spirit actually happening in my life? And that's, that's like a legitimate question you should ask yourself is, you know, when you read this and you take it away, you know, do you really have some? Like, can you really go back into that file cabinet and think, like, God has really showed up here. Like, I don't know what I was doing. I kind of went out on a limb a little bit, and God showed up. And if you don't have any stories about that, it's time to start asking God, God, I want to I see you show up. And I've been praying that all this week as far as, you know, when I've been reading this, like, God, put some more opportunities in my life. Put some more opportunities in my life because I want to capitalize on those. I want you to put me in that position, and I, hopefully I can come through on that one, and I'm ready for that. And I can listen to the Spirit. Um, stories of the Spirit and the lives of those close to you. you know, who do you surround yourself with? Like, what are the kind of people that you hang out around with? Hopefully, there's some people that got some stories of the Spirit going on in their life. Because that's encouraging, too. And I was telling you, I was into some, listening to some CDs, and that's how I heard about Pastor Wayne. And there's some other crazy stories on there. And I'll tell you what, it takes me about a half hour to get to school from my house. By the time I get to school, I'm like, yeah, let's go get something. Like, I'm just pumped up just from hearing their stories. And, and I know a couple of them uh, personally. And that's just pushing me on. That's pushing me on. I can't imagine if I constantly surround myself with just a bunch of Debbie Downers that I were just negative and just like, you know, down on life and just, man, not spirit-filled, not spirit-filled. Uh, and then the last part. This is the giving season, right? Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, and it just makes sense to me that praying that God would use me to give what I have in any way to meet somebody else's needs just seems like a prayer that would make sense right now at this time of year, right? This is the giving season. And so if he can just use me to somehow meet any needs of anybody around me, God, do it. You know, I want to remember that uh, season, uh, giving season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, 2010, God did some stuff. We're studying through Acts at the church and we're doing it together. I remember God using me to do that. Um, And just one note uh, quickly as far as the giving season, you know, honestly, 2010, for a lot of people, has been a rough year. Uh, earthquake in Haiti, oil spill, car bombs in New York, economy's awful, jobs are gone, sickness stuff. And so a lot of people could just be honestly saying, what is there really to be thankful for? I mean, honestly, it's been a rough year. What is there really to be thankful for? Where is God really in this mess? Um, and so that's a legitimate question, you know, to ask and think about. Because the people you're going to work with and hanging out with are just like, what is there really to be hopeful for? And us as Christians, right, as the church, God is calling us to inspire and give people hope and put that light out there. And so it's something to think about. Um, So let's draw it to a close here. Let me close in prayer. 
Um, and, and then we'll go. So, God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I pray, God, that, um, you know, the message is being obedient to you. Um, being successful in this Christian life uh, is a lot of times best measured, you know, when we're obedient to you, Lord, when we're obedient to you. So help us to share what we have uh, when you call us to do it. Help us not to be controlled uh, by fear, by approval of others. Um, that is not where you want us, God. We pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, that you would just show us how to share and that you would lead us and guide us each day, um, wherever you might be. We pray that you just uh, show us how to share and, and give your story. And God, we pray that you work through us. We want to see you work through us. We want to see some stories of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Honestly, we want to see stories of the Holy Spirit through Calvary Chapel and Naugatuck. Um, it's for all of us, Lord. It's for all of us. And so we pray that you give us the boldness when it's time. And if we're even thinking back and we can think of some times that maybe where we may have missed out, maybe you bring another opportunity our way again for that, uh, whatever maybe we missed out on. And so, God, we pray, Lord, uh, you know, it's a relationship about you, and you want to use us, and we're your vessels. And help us to see that and really buy into that, Father. Um, help us to give all areas of our life to you. And so, Holy Spirit, we just pray that you help us today, help us this week. Um, bless our time of being with family and friends and uh, Thanksgiving and during the holidays. So we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.